Hey, this is Manny Navarro from the Wide Right Podcast, and uh, I'm here to tell you that sports are back. I don't know if you've been paying attention. And right now you can save 40% off your subscription to The Athletic if you do something real easy. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash wide right, and you get 40% off an annual subscription. That's right, 40%. Make sure you do it, please, because I don't want you to miss all the exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. It's real simple. Get access to all the great things we do on our college football page. You got Nicole Auerbach. You got Stuart Mandel. You got Bruce Feldman. You got so many good reporters. Just do it, man. Go to theathletic.com slash wide right and get 40% off. Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm going to switch it up for y'all a little bit. You know why? It's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your host, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. And uh, we got a special edition uh, as we're recording this Wednesday night around 9.30. Uh, big day uh, in the ACC Today, they released the schedules uh, for what they hope will be an 11-game season. Of course, I'm bringing on a friend of the program, co-host Kelvin Harris, who has his own uh, podcast network that he that he uh, participates in, his own podcast that he does, and, and I'm always grateful for having you on, bro. Yeah, uh, the U, by the way, the U podcast. The U podcast, correct. Um so we're going to get into this right away because obviously, you know, everybody's looking at this from a, a competitive standpoint, and I want to get to that in a minute. But I thought, you know, there was a lot said by um, Athletic Director Blake James today. I was on that Zoom call with about 20 other reporters, a couple of national reporters as well, because everybody's trying to figure out why the ACC decided to drop this today. <clears throat> and I guess, you know, most people were thinking they were going to wait till next week to sort of reveal their scheduling model. Um, but I think it was all strategic. I think the S- the uh, ACC was weary of whatever the SEC was going to do, and they wanted to kind of get it out first um, to sort of lay the groundwork because obviously there's some important uh, conference games or non-conference games between the ACC and SEC, Florida, Florida State, etc. And so the ACC came out with theirs first, kind of surprised people. And uh, just to kind of go over it quickly, I mean, it's a 10-game schedule with one non-conference, and the Hurricanes uh, <clears throat> are basically playing seven of the eight ACC opponents that they already had scheduled, um, the one exception being Duke. They took Duke off the schedule for this coming season <clears throat> because they scrapped the division plans. And so <clears throat> they also changed some locations of where games are going to be played. So, you know, Miami normally in the Coastal Division plays Duke, they play North Carolina. They play uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, and uh, Pittsburgh. And instead, now Duke is off the schedule, and Georgia Tech, which was supposed to be a road game, is a home game. North Carolina, which was supposed to be a home game, remains a home game. Pittsburgh, that was supposed to be a home game, is a home game. And then Virginia, Miami was supposed to go up there. Now that's a home game. So the five home games uh, are Florida State, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Virginia. And then um, the other four road games besides Clemson are Louisville, NC State, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. Wake Forest and Virginia Tech, of course, were already on the schedule. So the new additions are Louisville, NC State, and Clemson. I know everybody's fired up about that. I know you obviously are as well. Um, 
when you initially saw it, what did what did you think of of the schedule? I thought we got a chance to win a national championship, but we can go into Clemson and win because you know, however they decide who's going to be in the um, playoffs, if we go into Clemson and beat them at Clemson, and then come back and beat them again in the ACC championship game, uh, it's going to say a lot. Or I say this: let's just say we, if we go one and one. I think there's a good chance that both of us are going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how college football attacks us all. Um, you know, the SEC, I guess, is also going to that conference-only format. and, and With a plus you know, one because they want – because I think both conferences want to keep the um, ACC, SEC matchups. Right, the Florida-Florida State, the Georgia-Georgia Tech, the uh, South Carolina-Clemson games. They want to try to keep that. But I guess we'll see here once things get finalized. Uh, As far as Miami's non-conference game, uh, I know initially when the news came out uh, about it being a game that had to be played in state, I I understood that as, okay, well, this means Miami's got to play some uh, an opponent that is in state. That's not the case at all. It just has to be a home game against a non-conference opponent. And Blake James basically explained that, look, they had four non-conference opponents scheduled by contract. Every time you break one of those contracts, you got to pay. You got to pay, the, you gotta pay. So obviously it, it behooves Miami from a financial point of view to keep a game with Temple or with UAB as a non-conference game. That said, it's probably going to be UAB. Yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know what it's going to be because ultimately – you know, the, the group of five conferences, you know, they're going to have to figure out some scheduling dilemmas themselves. We we don't know. You know, the, a big part of this, too, with the ACC is the testing standard. Our teams, you know, are those teams going to be able to afford to test their entire team 72 hours before kickoff? Um, so that will all play a factor. There's a lot of different things that go into this, and we're going to talk about some of that. Um, but I wanted to start the show talking about the opponents and what this means from a perspective. I know you said, you know, we're going to go 11-0. and um, But... I think Miami's schedule got tougher. Yes, you dropped Duke, who you who you've lost uh, back to back games against, and and you know you never really feared Duke, considering it's still Duke. But yeah, they they were a team that had won two in a row in the series. You add Clemson, which to me that's an upgrade over Michigan State, right? Right off oh, the yeah. bat. Yeah. You add you add a pretty good Louisville team who can score, still has a lot of offense. Um, that yes, you beat this past season, but now you got to play that game on the road. Um, with no fans. With no fans, but still, you, you're not at home. You're not comfortable. We saw how that worked out for um, for some baseball teams here in the early going. Um, I, I think, you know, and then you add NC State, who, uh, you know, they're not a dominant program. They're still an, a, an ACC school. So you, uh, you've upgraded the schedule in some regard, and you're going to places you haven't been in a while. Um, you know, so to me, I think the schedule got tougher, but – that said, it's still a very, it's still a schedule built that's very, I think, favored for Miami in the sense of they're not playing any stall. You know, besides Clemson, they're not really playing anybody who's who's uber tough. North Carolina, I kind of look at them as an equal to Miami uh, because of their quarterback situation. But again, that that's a home game, so you're right. I think there is a possibility that if this thing gets played out the way it's played out, um, this could go favorably for Miami. Besides Clemson, which which do you think is the, the number two toughest game for Miami? Um, UNC. It's those two games, and then it's nobody else. Well, I take that back. It's UNC, and then because of the rivalry, Florida State. Those are the three games that stick out. 
Well, I, I would say still having to travel to Virginia Tech is never easy. And I know today they had some news. Uh, Caleb Farley, their cornerback, a guy who could potentially be a top pick, um, he announced you know he was going to forego the season and, and, and opt out of playing. And that's something that still really hasn't played out, I think, at the collegiate level because everybody's been kind of in wait-and-see mode to see what they were going to do with the schedule. But I reached out to somebody um, on the staff earlier this week to ask them about opting out, and they think that there's not going to be any Miami players who opt out. That said, um, there are you know situations, health concerns. Todd Stroud, the defensive line coach, is a cancer survivor. We've talked about that here on the podcast. So I don't know. We'll see how things sort of shake out. But I know that uh, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, uh, who my colleague, she reported that the uh, Division One Football Oversight Committee was expected to vote Thursday whether to allow co- uh, coaching analysts and other operational staff to work with players on the field during training camp because they are going to have to sort of practice in a very unique way. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, Kevin, what's your sense? You, you talked to a lot of these kids behind the scenes. Do you think anybody is going to opt out, player or coach, for Miami? I don't think so. I think the one that stands out is Stroud. But, honestly, if he does uh, opt out, there's a replacement ready to go, I think. Obvious replacement. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that we sh- I don't see anybody out there. No. Right. One thing Blake James talked about, and and this was a big part of my article for the Athletic, was he considered this eleven game season aspirational, very aspirational is the word he said. Um, mm-hmm. And a, and a big part of that is because of kind of what's going on with COVID nineteen. Um, there's going to be a need to be flexible with the schedule. They've already built in a couple of bye weeks. Uh, there's a chance they could push the conference championship game to December 12th or the 19th. So um, the ACC is going to try to be flexible in getting this thing done, but I think it is aspirational to think they could end up playing this entire season because as we've seen with the Marlins, what just happened with baseball, you can have an outbreak at any point. And I think you know the, the one thing that they're going to try to do is stagger uh, practice times or you know keep – the suggestion from the NCAA Medical Advisory Committee has been, you know, practice your first team separate from your second team. <laughs> you know, so you'll have your first team offense against your second team defense and vice versa so that if people get sick or, or there's an infection, you at least separate. There's some sort of separation where you hope that the virus doesn't spread among players. Um, well, actually, you- when, you, when, you get, when you get into regular season practice, the ones and the twos, like the one defense and the one offense – they never see each other because they're on separate fields. So you right. got you got a scout team offense and a scout team defense. So you know that way you just got to worry about your scout team players not being um a, a positive. Right. Um. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Manny Diaz does. I know Blake James talked about that today that he's kind of weighing out sort of different ways to keep guys separated up until now i mean all the way through it's it's these workouts it's been eight guys or less mm-hmm. and so even even when they go out on the field and they and you know derek derek king's throwing passes to guys it's eight guys or less and i saw um some clips earlier today of the players working out and they all had masks on so that's a good sign i think they're all you know even as hot as as hot as it is out there in south florida you know down at coral gables um, well, you- they are they are trying to be as cautious as possible to make sure nobody gets sick. Yeah, uh, Garen Justice's wife uh, tweeted that out about guys, you know, 
you know, working out in mask, if they can work out in a mask, then you should be able to wear one, which is a good point. Yeah. The one thing that's uh that I think is, that people have to understand, and, and Blake James, I thought, made a good point of this, is you know, college football, they're not gonna be able to create a bubble a bubble type atmosphere. And I think while the NBA and NHL and Major League Soccer have had some success doing that, they have much smaller rosters than football teams do. And you oh, can see yeah. the, the the NFL clearly is not doing that either. You know, I mean, they're 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 clearly uh, requiring or depending on the football players uh, to be responsible and not to do anything stupid. And we, we you saw the message that Brown Flores had for his players: "Don't be no dumbasses if you want to play this year." And I right. think that's the message that every college coach is going to come in the in the initial meeting tell those kids, hey, look, you got a chance to do something special. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. And and I think for the most part they have. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, obviously three guys tested positive, but if you, as you and I have talked about here, I mean, a lot of that was was not because they were doing anything knucklehead wise, right? I mean it was it was guys kind of just fa- visiting family or something. That's what you had heard? Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know how, you know, I, I guess it's true, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean they, staff seems to be, you know, still in sync. They weren't upset. So um, I think I just, you know, I look, I, I I got a chance to live this movie three times. And you, you can tell what it looks like. It just feels, you know, it feels like this could be something special. Now, you know, every year we have something crazy happen. Somebody gets ineligible or, you know, you get a porn star you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, I, I want to be Bob Marley, uh, uh, impersonator, uh, somebody, uh, a freak injury, but we, we haven't had any of that, you know, so it's, you know, knock on, hold on, knock on wood. So, <laughs> so I don't know. It just seems like we got the right coaching staff. The recruiting is going good. I mean, you know, hopefully this train can just, it's out of the stage and it can just keep, keep rolling down the track. Yeah. Uh, one thing Blake James talked about was, uh, you know, that really th- he feels confident in the structure they have in the building. In other words, they, they he feels like everything that they're doing on campus as far as putting up signs and, and telling kids, hey, you know, stay six feet apart, the reminders, all that kind of stuff. He feels like they're, they're taking care of business on campus as far as, you know, reminding kids of, of what's important. But in the end, it really is all going to come down to behavior and, and whether or not these guys make a mistake. And I guess the one fear I've always had, and, and I talked about this w- with, with you, I think, off air, is what happens to the guys who aren't playing? You know, the, the guy like Tate Martell or somebody who's buried on the depth chart, are they going to be as responsible as they need to be? Because obviously Derek King and, you know, um, Greg Rousseau and Quincy Roche and Brevin Jordan, they got all the motivation in the world to do the best that they can this year and not be a jackass and, and get and, and do something dumb because they're they're trying to get to the NFL. But there are guys at the end of the bench. There's certainly walk ons and other people like that, that the motivation is going to be different. Do you I guess my question to you, Kevin, is do you believe there's enough leadership on this team that you're not going to have? somebody forget for a minute what you know what is important here yeah i think there is and i think there's enough guys that have won in high school that understand what it takes um it, i really think it starts with the quarterback 
got a guy that came here for moments like this, you know, Clemson, ACC championship, stuff like that. He didn't come here to go hang out on South Beach, hanging out at 11 and Tootsie's at Prime 112. That's not what he came here for. He came here to work hard on Green Tree and the, uh, the fruits of his work pay off on Saturdays in Hard Rock. And you know, he's, been a, he's been a leader. Guys have um, gravitated towards him. And so, you know, and I feel like even if he get, if something were to happen to him, we got two other guys that can come in and keep the train moving. I just, you know, I just, you know, we take it one week at a time. But we are going to find out what kind of leadership we got because, you know, the coaches can instill a program and be dis- and be tough, but it really boils down to if the players decide to buy into the program. And it just feels like I think they have. Well, on the offensive side, because the defensive side was already bought in. One one aspect of this all that, that to me is really important is how often will, will players be tested because there's different sort of windows where you can where you can catch things, you know, where you know, maybe you come back from the game and, and you test the guys that Sunday or, you know, and then you have to test them again, you know, Wednesday or whatever it is, 72 hours before the game. Um, but I asked Blake James earlier today, um, you know, how often Miami will test its players. And basically he said, we're very supportive of the recommendations made by the ACC medical group. And that basically means one test a week, 72 hours before kickoff, even though the ACC allows schools additional testing at the school's discretion. I'm, I'm curious, do you think one test a week is honestly enough, or would you like to see Miami do more than one test a week? I would like to see them do it twice a week. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I just think I look at it and, I, and I'm saying to myself, you know, you, you come back from playing a team – the week before, and I, I would I would hope, you know, that whatever you play, you, you you do it Saturday, right? You play your game Sunday when you get home. You should test again, yeah, because you don't know if one of those other players gave it, you know, to your to your kids, and then now you're back at practice on Monday, and you're worried, you know, you, you could spend forty eight hours passing that thing along, right? I mean, no, I definitely agree. It needs to be twice a week minimum because you, like you say, you come back on Sunday, and you test them on Sunday morning. And then I would test, yeah, definitely Wednesday. Because uh, if you find out on Wednesday, you can make adjustments on Thursday. You know, that's what you're looking at. You really, to be honest with you, they should test three times a, a week. I would test, um, I would test a Friday before you get on the plane if you got a, a away game. I would test um, Sunday, and I would probably take the Tuesday or Wednesday. One thing that he was asked about was fans, and obviously the NFL Got has basically that. said, yeah, the NFL has basically said you won't, or the Dolphins anyway, basically said ahead of time that no preseason games, no tailgating, that kind of stuff, that uh, if they have you know fans in the stands for week one, um, you know, it's going to be obviously a small crowd. And, and so the Hurricanes are sort of waiting on to see what happens with the Dolphins and Hard Rock Stadium and what Dade County says. But, um, you know, James says he remains hopeful. Uh, Blake James says he remains hopeful that they will have fans at some point. 
let me ask you, man, because every time you played, you had fans around you watching. Sure. I mean, even 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 um, when you were in Europe, right? The, the time you were overseas. I mean, what's the oh, smallest yeah. crowd you ever played in front in front of? When I was on freshman at JV. In high me, school? <laughs> me, you, your two kids, and your wife. That's the smallest crowd. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to play in an empty stadium, a college football game? I mean, it, we've seen the NBA. They try to pipe in the crowd noise, the whole thing. And I'm sure college football and the NFL are going to do the same. But, I mean, if you thought about that, what that would be like as a player? Because you played the game with how much talking. I mean, how would guys communicate? Because a lot of stuff is, is communicated. Guys shouting from the sidelines. And, and audibles, I mean, how is that going to change from a strategic standpoint? It would just be like a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it would be like a scrimmage of practice. When you hand signals, the- I mean, because you can shout during the game, but I think it's, it's more hand signals, you think? Or, or I mean, how, how no, would you adjust so that the other team doesn't pick things uh-uh. up? I mean, they hear you in the game. Like, when you come to the line of scrimmage, like say for instance, if I'm the center, I'm calling out the mic. Everybody knows who you're talking. You know, Mike's fifty-one. You know, you, know, you, you hear the you hear the uh, audibles. You hear the. Uh, you can actually hear it even at the center position when you're playing in FSU or or Florida with that crowd screaming. I mean, you could hear it. I I was I had to relay it to the uh, to the other lineman. Right, now, but I meant what the defense was calling. Like you could, were you paying any attention to what the defense was doing or what they like, what the linebacker was shouting, what the mic was shouting? I mean, yeah, he's like four yards away from you, okay. right? Here. You know, and then you can hear the D lineman if they say shift or something like that. You know, you, you know. Um, now, I just, I just thought there would be now without the fans, it'll be a lot easier to pick up what's happening. Oh, much easier. But, but you're only you're only concerned like as a lineman, you're coming up looking for is it four down, three down? Who's the mic? Uh, are they blitzing? You know what's the protection? You know you're going through what's the protection in your head. So then you're looking around, and then if he audibles play or check with me, you make the adjustments. But um, if you're on the road, you try not to make as many adjustments. And then, you know, in modern football, they started holding hands to make it easier to get the snap count. Or, you know, some people still do the, um, the center. Some some people let the center basically call it from the line. But um, it's going to be just like a scrimmage. I mean, because this is how it is in a scrimmage. You you know, there's nobody there when you're in practice. And you had a, you know, in, in, you know squad scrimmage. Everybody's calling. I mean, you know, the linebackers calling out formations. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's actually going to be like how the XFL was for the fans when they were listening to the plays. That's what it's going to be like. Like, did you watch any XFL games? I watched some of it, yeah, but I didn't. I I didn't watch them live. A lot of it was just uh, you know on highlights. I think I might have tuned in for one or two minutes I mean, and then watched the the replays. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that was really interesting and exciting for the fans was the head coaches were mic'd up so you knew the plays they you know if you know and like former players like me it was you know it's like you could see all right oh that's the system they're running and you know i could kind of pretty much call the plays what it was going to be because um 
you know, you hear the verbiage. And, you know, with these no huddle offenses, if you're watching it from, um, if you're watching it on TV, it's going to sort of be like the XFL because guys are going to be, they're going to be calling a lot of stuff at the line. So this could be interesting for fans. Um, that, that might be a whole nother dynamic as far as like uh, podcasts or whatever. You know, people asking questions about what they heard on the game. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? You right. know, so I think it's just going to increase the interest uh, in college football. Let me ask you, uh, Miami's planning to open camp August 7th as scheduled, and so is everybody else in the ACC apparently. Um, the first weekend of games is supposed to be September 12th, assuming Miami plays that Saturday and not Thursday or Friday. So they're going to have five weeks, you know, uh, to really prepare to get ready. Now, the one thing that has happened clearly is the fact that they had four spring practices. That was it. <laughs> And workouts have been sort of weird, right? Guys haven't been able to practice and, and prepare the way they normally do it, normally could uh, in the past at small groups. Um, and then also, you know, we don't know exactly how Manny is going to get these practices done. They, obviously, they're going to probably try to do some tackling and, you know, try to keep it as normal as possible. But all things considered, the time off, the fact that practices will not be ready, is five weeks enough in your mind to be ready to play that first game. Yeah, because everybody's got five weeks. Okay, and we got an, and we have an advantage. We have an advantage over everybody on our schedule except for Clemson and F. Well, yeah, and FSU because those are the only two teams I think that had any practice. Everybody else didn't have spring practice, so all the questions, question marks, they came into a uh, spring ball with. They still got them. We we actually have an idea what we got, so we're we're you know we're headed to ball game. <laughs> um, what do you think? I guess the loss. What are, what are they losing by having these four months off? And what are they going to have to make up? You know, is it timing? Is timing, it rhythm? Continuity. Yeah. Game game shape. Because your body has to get used to um, running around in pads and hitting. And even though you may be in shape, when you put on all that extra weight, you got to get in shape with that too. But once again, everybody's got to do this. This is a, you know, everybody in college football. What do you think of, uh, you know, who else might emerge, you know, when you look around the rest of college football? I mean, does there does this help anybody, this all-conference scheduling that we're going to see? Um, you know, or do you still think it's going to be the best teams that rise to the top? Well, right now looking at it, I think Oklahoma has got no competition in the Big 12. So either way, it helps them. I don't think Ohio State has any competition in the Big 10, so it doesn't really matter for them. Um, SEC, I think it actually helps Alabama. Playing, uh, playing an all-conference schedule, okay. Yeah, because I think – some of those other teams are going to knock each other off. I think they're probably the best team in the SEC this year. I know people think about Georgia, but uh, the red flag for me is what happened when Matt Luke came in as the O-line coach. You know, everybody's gone. You got a whole new offensive line. With a whole new offensive line coach and a whole new system. Um, and 
the chemistry wasn't there. It seemed like when he took over in spring. So I'm not that high on Jordan. Um, and they don't really have a superstar on defense. They don't have a guy, you say, you know, that dude about to do it. There's nobody up front that really scares you. They're good, consistent players. Um, I think Oregon, Oregon, I think, yeah, I don't There's think no, anybody. It seems like the best teams are going to rise to the top. There's not like maybe one team that's at a disadvantage playing more conference games. I mean, although I would say if you got more of the SEC West teams, you know, I don't know once Florida's schedule comes out, but I mean, it could hurt them, right, to play more of those SEC West teams, and who knows what the schedule is going to what's going to say for them. But um, you yeah, know, it, it's, it's, this whole thing is interesting, though. This whole thing is interesting going to all you know, conference. You know what? You know what the key for Florida is. It's going to be ironic. Lorenzo Linger. Hmm. If he can actually become an every down back, they they got to sure win it. Well, I don't know. I don't even know if there's going to be a division. I mean, you know, they got a chance to be in the SEC championship game. Let's just say that. But if he doesn't emerge as the every down back, they're going to be one dimensional. Right. I don't. They don't. They don't have a have a go to bag. But oh, um, right now, looking at the main, I think, I think, I think it's Oregon, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, us and Clemson. I think realistically, you started off as Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, and it's up to us to raid the party. And I think, you know, you look in the Big Ten, maybe Penn State does something. I'm not sold on Michigan because, you know, they've been peeing on their leg year after year. So why should this be any different? Um, And I just think Alabama's the most sound team in the SEC. But when I look at all those rosters, I don't see nobody better than us. Right. I mean, we got the two best pass rushers in college football. That, that that's gonna that's gonna pay dividends, and then we got two more dudes behind them that are potential first round picks. So hey, let hey, let's go to Clemson and put our foot in their motherfucking ass, and then come back and do it again in Charlotte, and then the U is back. God damn it, we back. <laughs> well, we get started talking. I, I hope we get date soon, man, because I want to see how that affects the scheduling, right? I mean, we're all going to sit here and, and, and start to talk about that and debate that, uh, you know, when you have back-to-back tough games or, you know, if you have to play a shortened week, five, you know, five days, a Saturday, Thursday, all of that's going to be interesting. We don't have that yet, but that'll be coming out soon. So I, I think there's a good chance that they may try and move away from those Thursday games this year for the simple mm-hmm. fact that, you don't want to have a short week and test on a Wednesday or Tuesday, and now a team's got no chance to, you know, if they got five guys that go down, they don't have any practice time. You know, this is this is a year where Thursday games need to be null and void because you're going to need the entire week. Because you got, like, you know, you said earlier, flexible. You got to be flexible enough. You got to have enough time to be flexible enough that if you, you get like this Miami Marlins type thing happen, you can make some adjustments. And I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the red shirt rule this year. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting. You're right. Uh, those are all unresolved issues. You know, I mean, how many games do you do you limit it to to get a red shirt? It's probably going to be one less, I would think. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of issues to work out. Uh, Kelvin, thanks for coming on, man. As usual, to uh, dissect the schedule and everything else. And and as we get closer to, um, you know, the start of camp, we'll start breaking down positions and, and what to look for and and to see kind of what's happening with the team. But uh, uh, today was a big day because we finally have an idea now of what the FA, uh, what the FHSA I was about to say, the, what the ACC is planning. Uh, so it'll be interesting, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for coming on. And uh, I was going to say one thing, uh, halfway shameless plug. All right. The, the, the podcast I did two weeks ago, I broke, I had uh, the girl, Grace Rayner from Clemson, yeah. from your, your, your athletic, and we broke down Clemson's roster. Your people go back, go to Apple Podcast, check it out. It's Miami Huddle, Miami Dash Huddlecast, and listen to the breakdown of their roster. And maybe they go back one podcast before that with me and you break down our roster. Yeah, compare the two and see why I'm so excited and enthusiastic about us going fourteen and all. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, it was great. Love talking uh, Canes football with you, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up again next week. Yeah.